Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. He has given us a new birth into a living hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've been here before. Our city of Memphis was the epicenter of the yellow fever outbreak of 1878. The Angevine family, like many, escaped the city. They went to the old family farm in Grenada, Mississippi. A man in the fields nearby noticed that there was no activity around the plantation house. He pried open the shutters and broke the glass as he frantically searched the house for anyone who might still be alive. He found the youngest Angevine daughter, nine-year-old Lena, who appeared she may have a little life left in her. The man knelt down and lifted her weightless frame and carried her out into the fresh air. He rested a piece of raw bacon on her lips and watched as Lena began to suck on the first bite of food she had in days. It was then that Lena, more dead than alive, made her way back. With no surviving family, Lena came back here to Memphis to live with her grandparents. She graduated from St. Mary's Episcopal School. Then Lena knew exactly what she would do with the rest of her life. She would become a nurse. Lena remembered that unknown man who saved her life. Like him, she would devote her life to saving others. In our scripture passage from 1 Peter, we learn the ultimate goal of faith in Jesus' resurrection is our salvation. We often think of salvation in future terms, such as being saved to go to heaven. But what if heaven is being in the presence of God, then that's available to us not only in the future, but in the here and now. The word salvation itself is not so much a theological term as it is a medical one. Paul Tillich writes, salvation is derived from salvus, which means healthy or whole. And it can be applied to every act of healing, to the healing of sickness, of demonic possession, and of servitude to sin and to the ultimate power of death. Salvation is a present reality as well as a future hope. First Peter more aptly describes these two dimensions as one by calling them a living hope. When Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, said to Jesus, come and save my daughter, Jesus did not say, I'll take care of that in the afterlife. Instead, Jesus went to the bedside and saved his daughter, and he saved someone else along the way. Jesus still applies salve to our bodily wounds today, and he calls us to join him in healing one another. One person who answered that call was Dr. Will Armstrong, when the yellow fever outbreak began in 1878, 
he made the same sacrifice that some of you healthcare professionals are making right now. He lived apart from his family so that he would not affect, infect them if he contracted the disease. Dr. Armstrong sent his wife Lula and their eight children to Columbia, Tennessee while he stayed in Memphis. He worked alongside the Sisters of St. Mary's Cathedral, led by Sister Constance, in ministering to the sick throughout the city, day and night. We honor Constance and her companions in a church-wide commemoration on September 9th, the date of her death. Dr. Will Armstrong was one of those companions. He stayed at the bedside of Constance and gave instructions to her sisters throughout her final days. He also stayed at the bedside of the Dean of St. Mary's, the Reverend George Harris. Through the grace of God and through the skills, wisdom, and valiant work of Dr. Armstrong, Dean Harris survived. As Dr. Armstrong left St. Mary's late one night, one of the sisters ran after him and handed him a note. When he got home, the doctor opened the envelope and he found two $50 bills wrapped up in a note that said, an expression of the affection and gratitude of the sisters. He was so touched that he wrote his wife Lula that night, if I survive this epidemic, I will repay the sisters. I think of how much those two $50 bills and that heartfelt note from the sisters meant to him. One of the signs of hope in our time is all the appreciation being shown to our healthcare workers in Memphis and around the world. Many of our restaurants are taking meals and treats to the workers at our hospitals, nursing homes, and healthcare institutions. Another boutique company gave all the workers at one hospital specialty soaps with the gift bags emblazoned with their words to us, wash your hands. Many of our Calvary parishioners are sending cards and handwritten notes to area healthcare workers. And lots of children and adults are taking chalk in hand to draw tributes and messages of love on hospital sidewalks for those of you on the front lines of this. Back to Lena, the nine-year-old girl who was saved on the family farm in Grenada, graduated from St. Mary's School here in Memphis and decided to become a nurse. In 1898, she saw an ad in a newspaper saying that the Surgeon General of the United States Army was looking for nurses who were immune to yellow fever. Since she had had yellow fever as a child, she qualified. So Lena answered the ad and was sent to Cuba as the chief nurse working alongside Dr. Walter Reed. She nursed and cared for those who underwent the trials that at long last determined that yellow fever was transmitted by mosquitoes. Her work and that of her team saved millions of people. But what she remembered most from that time were the faces of each soldier, soldier as she stayed day and night at their bedside, nursing them back to health. Our city, too, has been saved and reborn. We've gone from being the epicenter of an epidemic to being an epicenter for health care. We've been handed down a sacred inheritance by 
the examples of Dr. Will Armstrong, by Lena, and by the unknown man who saved her life. Like Jesus, they sought to save the person right there in front of them. This is a time to save, and this is a time to celebrate salvation. That is the spirit of Memphis. That is the living hope of resurrection. Amen. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.